This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Without Remorse and the Mitchells versus the Machines. Reloading my Android phone. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is on his way. He should be here uh, soon enough. I'll be sure to, we'll be sure to stop everything and just let him, let everybody know that Abe's here when he's here. Uh, but Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 449, 449, and this week we got a double header. We're talking Without Remorse and The Mitchells versus The Machines, two movies that are very similar to each other. And joining us to discuss these films, we have from Slash Film and the Slash Film Daily Podcast, he soaks himself in prison water before every fight. It's Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. <laughs> also joining us, single-handedly supporting the town of Laporte with bowling alleys and escape rooms, Robot cannot, robots cannot properly identify him. It's Ben Conowitz. What's up, guys? <laughs> how are you two doing today? I'm good, Brad. How are you, buddy? I have no remorse. <laughs> I have a little remorse after watching that film. <laughs> I have a question for you too. I specifically you too. So let's get Bono on the phone. No, I have a question for you guys. I've heard something about a radio program. Are, is, there, is there something you want to say about this? I've heard. Uh, only, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Only if you announce it program and say it <laughs> every single time you do it. Brad and I were offered a radio show, and it's in small market Michigan City, Indiana. And we're going to live stream it on Facebook. It's WIMS is the radio station. And they I don't know why they did it, but they're going to allow us to talk about literally whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to – yeah, it'll be very conversational. Um, we'll, we'll bring some of, like, our, our entertainment side, side into it. But just generally talking about just whatever random things tickle our fancy, you know, probably lots of pop culture stuff. And just, uh, yeah, just, you know, just morning radio jazz. <laughs> Well, that's that sounds really fun. <laughs> I just I saw this thing and I was like, I want to know more about this. So cool. Glad glad you guys are getting out there in the wild world of Michigan. Yeah, Indiana. and we and it's it's good because like it, it's gonna get us back into like the groove of like finally doing like some kind of show again because Go Flix Yourself, our our podcast has been on hiatus for a little while and now we're trying to get like technical stuff rearranged um, because our former network is uh, shutting down. So we just, we have to get all of our episodes transferred over and. That podcast will be coming back. We do promise that. Uh, it's just a matter of, of when and where. I know that's a pretty big threat, but we're going to make good on it. <laughs> well, no, good. I, I was looking up uh, Go Flix Yourself, and I was like, there hasn't been a new episode in a while. And then I saw this radio thing. It's like, oh, these, the gears are turning in my head. I need to know more about this. So uh, glad to hear we're it. Excited. We're very excited. Good. Sorry, they, they found me. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get to let's get to some show notes real quick. First up, commentary tracks. It is now the month of May, which means it is the final month of our Hannibal Lecter commentary series we've been doing since January. We've talked about the films of Hannibal Lecter, which includes Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal, Brett Ratner classic Red Dragon, and of course now the one that we've all been reading up leading up to, Hannibal Rising. Um, some would say the best. <laughs> and those people are drunk. <laughs> So, yeah, that is the plan uh, for this month's uh, commentary check. We're going to talk about the prequel to Hannibal Lecter, the person uh, in Hannibal Rising. That, that should be, that should be <laughs> exactly, that should be a fun commentary because we are all incredibly excited to talk about that film. But, uh, yeah, you can find sounds all of like, 
Mm-hmm. Is that that's like if you you're following Hitler in art school? Yeah, that's that's the movie Max with John Cusack. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's also the prequel to the person. We should make a list best prequel to the person movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we will be recording that commentary soon. You can find all the commentaries that we've done, as well as all our silly shows over on iTunes. Speaking of which, iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find our show. You can give us a rating interview. That'd be great. Uh, okay. Oh, one other announcement. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, the Summer Movie Gamble <laughs> is returning. After a year off, due to reasons... Uh, we are we are bringing it back, and uh, that's gonna be uh, we got some plans. That in, it, that in itself feels like a gamble. I, I know, right? But uh, we have some interesting plans to make it uh, both very challenging and more appropriate for the world at large in the realm of summer movies. So uh, stay tuned uh, this month to hear more about that as well. I mean, it's already different given that it is the first week of May and we haven't already recorded this episode. <laughs> so you know things are gonna be different this summer at the film at the movies. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, Let's get into this. Let's uh, let's get to some out now quickies. TMB tweaking out now. We talk. We 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 quickies. I Abe gives me a break by saying something there. So after I use that do that, exa- do that exhausting nope, sentence, we wanted to let you suffer. <laughs> after I I throw that one out there, he says something. I get a breath, and then we get right back into it. But let's do this. Uh, let's go over some movies we've seen recently. Let's start with Ben. Ben, what other movies have you seen recently? Uh, we rented out a private theater to go see Nobody. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, John Wick's older brother, basically. It, that's what it feels like. A silly, silly John Wick. And I was on board the entire time, had a really, really fun time watching that movie. Great. Oh, that was that. that was a, it's a very fun movie. The The it's combination funny. of people at the end is just yes. like something I both did not see coming and also immediately wanted more of. Yeah. No, it was a, an eclectic mix there at the end, and 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 again, I think the word is silly. It's a silly take on John Wick, and it's it's so popcorny and and fun, and yeah, just the the, the stakes are are so low for a movie like that for me because I know that I'm just gonna go in having a good time. I'm not there for an Oscar winner. I just want to see some shit blow up. And guess what, guys? Spoiler alert: shit blows up. <laughs> well, good. Brad, how about you? What have you seen recently? Um, I. Also watched Nobody not too long ago. I didn't um, go to the theater, but I, I uh, got a screener of it on VOD when it came out uh, not too long after that. Um, and I also liked it. I, I kind of like the world building that it does. Bob Odenkirk is great in it. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. Good action. And, uh, you know, it made me wish I would have been able to see it in, in theaters. I wasn't quite up to full efficacy with my second vaccination yet, so I, I held off. Um, and now I'm getting to the point where, like, I kind of want to hold off until I can see something that I know is, like, going to be like a good return to movie theaters. So so we'll see what happens. Um, other than the two movies that we're going to talk about on this episode, um, I guess I'll, I watched something. It's, I guess it's technically not a movie, but it's it's feature length. Um, ABC News did like this documentary special on Sesame Street called 50 Years of Sunny Days. Oh. And uh, it's a little different from the upcoming documentary Street Gang, how we got to Sesame Street, because th- that documentary covers like the history of Sesame Street and the origins and how it became what it is and like really digs into its creators and talks about Jim Henson and Frank Oz and all that stuff. This one actually digs into more of like uh, the legacy and like the impact that it's had on society and like specifically uh, the kind of progress it's, it's made and how it's helped kids understand, you know, big world ideas and, it talks to different families from different ethnic backgrounds and, uh, and class backgrounds and, uh, even digs into like, um, 
versions around the world. Like there's the, it focuses on the South African version, which is called Takalani Sesame and stuff like that. And it's a really fascinating and just like uh, a moving look at, you know, just the kind of good things that Sesame Street has done, you know, for, for families over the years. And so uh, that's on, um, you can see it on Hulu right now. What's that called again? 50 Years of Sunny Days. Cool. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And I want to know more about these other versions of Sesame Street that are out there as well. Do they have the same pretty... puppet? Do they have the same, the same Muppets? They don't actually. They have they um they have they they do use some of the familiar Muppets every now and then, but they have their own cast of Muppets. Um, and it, for the the South African one specifically, they focused in on um during like the AIDS crisis, they introduced uh, like a five year old Muppet who had had AIDS as a way of teaching kids, you know, not to be, you know, scared of people who had that that illness and whatnot. So it was it was pretty cool. That is really cool. Is it? I just because I'm curious. Is it? Are they still like Jim Henson creations when for the other? Uh, I don't know if like if it's like the Jim Henson workshop that's still creating those Muppets, but they uh -huh. have like the same style and everything. So I'm sure that they probably have like a Jim Henson consultant that maybe comes and helps them work <laughs> on them to make them fit, you know, with within the same kind of parameters. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I really want them to just be like a little off, like, oh, it's Big Borg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cronky monster. <laughs> monster the gorge. <laughs> well, no, that that sounds really cool. I want to check that out for sure. Um, let's see. I've seen a few things this week. Uh, first up, a movie called The Outside Story. Uh, this stars uh, Brian Tyree Henry in a, in a lead role, uh, which already got me got my curiosity because I like Brian Tyree Henry. I like him in Atlanta, among other things. Um, he it's it's set in this magical world of New York City where people can be outside and talk to each other. Uh, it was filmed a couple years before the pandemic. It was supposed to premiere at Tribeca, and obviously it got delayed. So now it's it's actually out, and it stars Brian Tyree Henry as like he's an introverted writer who just broke up with his girlfriend, and he gets locked outside of his apartment. He's like a nice apartment in I want to say Manhattan, but it's just in New York in general. Um, and so he spends the entire day outside, both trying to get back inside his apartment, but also meeting his various quirky neighbors. And just kind of just th thinking about his own life. It's mostly a comedy, but there is like some dramatic elements. It's pretty it's pretty slight overall. But I again, I really like Brian Tyree Henry, and he's got it, there's a lot of like familiar comedic faces um, throughout the film as well. So I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, the Outside Story. It's on streaming uh, right now, like just just in general. Um, I also saw the new Zhang Yimou film, uh, Cliff Walkers. Uh, I was automatically interested because I really like Zhang Yimou, especially given the I, I really like Shadow from a couple years ago. It was on my top ten list of that year. It's a visually gorgeous film, and so I was you know looking for. Now he's made a spy movie uh, set in the 1930s in the snow. So I'm like, why would I not want to see a Zhang Yimou film that uh, has all of those elements involved? And it's good. It's not great in the same breadth that i would say shadow or house of flying daggers or hero as far as his kind of more action-oriented movies go but i still really liked it i the the plots are it's it's interesting because the plot feels very much like a it feels like chinese propaganda which i think is very much on purpose because zhang Yimou has a very interesting relationship with china and how he makes films where he makes some films that are more critical of china this one feels like it's very much in favor of chinese government but the plot is kind of inconsequential. It's very twisty, lots of double crosses and what have you, but it's more about the style. There's so much style throughout this film. There's a lot of, like, just characters in snow in a Zhang Yimou film is automatically going to get my attention, but there's just a lot of effort to show off their, like, 
very specific costume design and hats and the way snow gets on them, the way they go through action sequences with, you know, 1930s, you know, pistols and what have you. It's, it's, it's very, it's, it's well done from a technical level. And I think that's all that really matters mostly. So yeah, that's Cliff Walkers, which is uh, out in limited release now. Um, speaking of, uh, <laughs> speaking of limited release, Abe, I believe you just joined in here. How are you doing? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, oh, speaking of Chinese films, like, that's a little much. That'd be inaccurate. That's why I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Abe. Hello. Hi, Abe. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, keeping the uh, the car going here. I just got up uh, by sprinting, like, T-1000. Exactly. With your hands and everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, glad that you're here. Why don't you tell us what you've seen recently? I watched... A movie that I was talking to Aaron about for an Out Now Nights episode, and I'm glad that we didn't end up doing it. I watched New Mutants. It's on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah. It is not good. <laughs> I, I I think I got like bored like 20 minutes into the movie, and I just left it on. And I was like, oh, okay. I see now why this movie like you know kept on getting pushed back. It's, it's kind of just really a one-setting movie, and it isn't really about a whole lot. Like, it's kind of about finding yourself um, in this new surrounding with these new powers, but there's not a whole lot going on because everything's gray, and also there's nothing uh, interesting about these characters. So, um, yeah, no, if you want to watch it, just leave it on in the background as you're doing something else. There's a big bear. And it also has, like, a guy on fire. That's kind of cool. In a, in a swimming pool, no less. Perfect. HBO Max plays the hits, I think is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) All right. Well, that's what you got. That's what I got. All right. Well, that's how you do now, cookies. TM. Let's uh, thank you. Let's uh, move on. (laughs) I was struggling without that the first time around. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. Uh, This week we're talking Army of the Dead. This is... Zack Snyder's uh, first non-DC film in a while. It's coming to Netflix. It focuses on a group of mercenaries led by Dave Bautista who plot a heist in a Las Vegas casino during a zombie outbreak. Don't you hate when that happens when you're planning a heist? Well, he's joined by a lot of people. There's just no time to go through this giant cast, but we we can talk about this trailer. Uh, Brad, let's uh, let's go to you. What do you think of the What do you think of Army of the Dead? What do you think Zack Snyder is going to deliver with this one? Um, you know, it's, it looks like it could be fun. Um, it's, you know, obviously Dawn of the Dead was a lot of fun as, as well. And this feels like that, you know, but on, uh, several different kinds of crack. I, I, I appreciate the level to with, with which that there have been like different kinds of, uh, zombies created, you know, like, like the, the tiger, uh, zombie and the, the Elvis zombie and whatnot, even though it feels like a video game gimmick more than, you know, something that's, uh, actually brings anything of substance to the movie. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's it's a movie that's just meant to be a big, you know, blockbuster with uh, a lot of shooting, you know, zombies that you don't really care about and bring a, a big ensemble cast together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I will, I will definitely watch it. Um, I, I will probably watch it before I ever get around to watching the Snyder Cut of Justice League. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. I like how our, our initial weeks with that were like people were like okay with it, and now it's now between this and last week, it's like oh, I'm not watching that. <laughs> like it's really turned in the few weeks that we talked about this thing. Um, ben, how about you? Where are you with uh, Army of the? Are you a Zack Snyder guy? Not really. 
Uh, not really. I just, everything's one color scheme and it's very, it's like, this is supposed to be earth, but it's not really earth. I don't know. It, it always makes me feel like I'm not really watching anything realistic, which I, of course these are not, I don't know. There, there's just so many other directors that can ground things, uh, in a better way. And Zack Snyder is just not, not known for that. And I just not, not really on board. Um, but you know what I will say, uh, that when I think of a post apocalyptic heist movie with zombies, I think, Stand-up comedian Tig Notaro. Now let's talk <laughs> about why that casting happened. And I know I actually am on board for that. I think that's an incredible. The the one thing about this movie, the the cast does look very fun. Mm-hmm. So Ben, do you actually not know why that happened? I really don't know why. Oh, go so, into it, oh, Brad. <laughs> yeah. So so that was a character that was actually originally shot and played by Chris D'Elia, and then oh. and then the accusations came out, and then they replaced him with Tig Notaro, and they reshot. Now, I don't know if they reshot those scenes. They probably mostly did it with green screen and put her in back into the scenes where he was. But yes. yeah, so th- so they replaced Cristalia. Wait, yeah, wait, I, Brad, what what happened to Cristalia? <laughs> uh, uh, well, <laughs> gather around, children, and I'll tell you a tale. Okay, oh, got it. <laughs> I'm out of the uh, loop a little bit on on movies lately, obviously because you know pandemic and everything. But I did know about Cristalia. I did not know about this casting switch. But I think that now that's perfectly cast, so that's awesome. It's You've really been hanging gutters too long, Ben. It's true. Uh, yeah, we got to get out of the gutter business. It's really interesting to think of how seamlessly he seemed to, you know, given the very few moments that we've seen of the, you know, of Tikataro in the trailer, how seamlessly it seems to blend in, which is not unheard, especially now, but also just watching. I mean, Brad, granted, you haven't seen the Snyder cut, but like, there's a big sequence in there with the Jared Leto thing where that was mostly all the actors in various places using green screen and seamlessly brought together. So the idea that he's done that again for this movie. Uh, you know, it's it, it's you know, regardless of the quality of the film, it's just an interesting like thing that we can do with the magic of movies these days, as far as just recasting it's just entire Oliver roles. Wood moment in Gladiator. Exactly, it's just like it's just like Oliver Reed, yeah. Oliver Reed. Uh, as far as my thoughts on the trailer go, I uh, Dawn of the Dead is my favorite Zack Snyder film, so the fact that he's doing another zombie movie, let alone another of the dead movie, uh, yeah, I'm into that. I don't, <laughs> I I like Dave Bautista. I, I'm all for ensemble heist films. I I hope this is less Six Underground and more, I don't know, quality Netflix blockbuster. Uh, not that I hated Six Underground, but it's certainly a lot. That said, Snyder certainly has a lot riding on this, it seems, because it's like, this movie's like two and a half hours, and he already has like an anime prequel going with it, as well as like a, like a, just like an international, um, like spinoff film that's in the works too. Like there's like this movie, it's like a whole universe he's bringing just like to with this film. So I, it's ambitious and I, I hope it pays off better than, uh, you know, his other big franchise movies. Oh, that he was making. The Universal monster uh, universe took off. So why won't this? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Abe, where are you at with army of the dead? I have not seen Dawn of the dead. Uh, I've heard that it's got a great intro. Um, it's got a great, a lot then... of things. Yeah, it's got a, probably a great lot of things. I I'm curious about this one because of the the scope of it, which is like, hey, by the way, we're not gonna focus on you guys saving the world or even what have you. You guys might be some bad people, and let's just focus on one location. And your goal is to get all this money from uh, Terry Benedict's casinos. And so I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of in when you just like the premise is just really localized and let's just shoot our way out, Brad. Uh, to your point earlier, I do like the the concept of like these different zombie types and also the way that they can move. I don't 
I, because I haven't seen Dawn of the Dead, I don't know if Zach is saying, like, hey, there's multiple kinds of zombies. Fast-acting zombies, slow-walking, and also people that make out. And we'll, you know, I, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Um, but overall, I, I'm on the same page, Aaron. You know, I, I, you know how that I feel about Netflix movies, and they're just like, it just feels like a dumping ground sometimes, and so they're just okay. But I'll be curious if this one changes my mind. All right, well... Army of the Dead does premiere on Netflix May 21st, so uh, get ready. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it for our uh, trailer talk, so let's move on. Let's get on to our first review for Without Remorse. Senior Chief John Kelly is more dangerous and effective than any man we have in the field. The only thing he has more than kills are medals. Somebody would like to talk to you. John, if you're done in there, we need you to get back in the field. Senior Chief Kelly, it appears you have a common enemy with the United States. They took everything from me. My family. That should have been some of the trailer for Without Remorse, loosely adapted from the Tom Clancy novel of the same name. Without Remorse is the latest attempt by Paramount to bring the author's best-selling novels to the screen. Only this time we're getting away from the Jack Ryan character, currently lighting up the small screen with big nose John Krasinski, in favor of John Clark. He was previously portrayed by Willem Dafoe and Liv Schreiber, and now he, we have Michael B. Jordan starring as the action-proficient Navy SEAL, who proves to be a very tough-to-kill. The film serves as an origin story as we watch John Clark, then John Kelly, go after those responsible for the death of his wife and unborn child, learning that all is not what it seems when it comes to those he reports to. Brad, let's start with you. What did you think of the? Tr- what did you What did you think of Without Remorse? Are you a Tom Clancy movie fan? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, so I I appreciate the the older um, ones with Harrison Ford, uh, Clear and Present Danger, and Patriot Games. Uh, some of all fears is not that great. Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit is one of the most boring uh, spy <laughs> action thrillers I have ever seen. Um, I haven't watched any of the Jack Ryan series on Amazon with John Krasinski. I've heard it's fine. Um, and so, yeah, I wasn't particularly excited about this other than the idea of Michael B. Jordan getting to to take the lead and do, do a movie like this. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I didn't dislike this movie because I, I think Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Bell are, are pretty great in it as far as the intensity they bring to their, their characters. Um, but it's just, the way it, it carries out, it just, it feels bland. And it's it's not bland enough to the point where, like, I hated it, but I just, I don't know, I felt like I was on cruise control. I was just like, okay, yeah, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And especially the the climax of this movie, it feel, it all just feels like it's unfolding on a, a, a big studio backlot somewhere. You know, it, not particularly exciting um very technically um capable scenes but just not anything where i was super invested in in what was going on um and the fact that they were hoping that this was going to be some kind of big franchise starter you know uh is just like really this is like what you invested all of your you know your hopes in the yeah we're gonna start a a new tom clancy franchise and this is how it's gonna go and they did it in the most predictable way possible. It's very generic. Um, so, yeah, uh, disappointed, to say the least. And I feel like this is probably why Michael B. Jordan is wanting to 
direct a movie like Creed three because it's like okay I you know if I'm gonna be you know in a movie like this then I'm I want to take responsibility I want to take the helm and you know make the movie that I want to star in as opposed to letting something like this happen. Ben, how about you? Where are you with? Uh, yeah, I was. I agree with Brad that uh, it was very reminiscent of Speed 2 Cruise Control. Um, <laughs> I feel like it was terrible in a lot of ways. And, no, I mean, honestly, it's a bad, bad movie. Uh, not, not a lot of fun. Uh, I'll give them a pass on the action scenes because those are – it's a big-budget Hollywood action movie. They know how to do that. But just, just the fact that a lot of the stuff, a lot of the movie, the plot, it just doesn't make sense. It's not grounded in anything. There's no, there's no consequences for any of the actions in it, like – I don't know how spoilery we get here, but um, I don't believe this is too much of a spoiler. Very early on in the film, <clears throat> uh, directly after the barbecue scene, mm-hmm. uh, where they're in traffic, stop and go traffic, mind you. There's no way out. Stop and go traffic. And a, a van's doors open up, and they there's a gun scene, and they they murder a person, and they jump back in the van, and, they, and then what? They're in stop and go <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> Also, also, didn't it feel weird to have that scene too, where the van that's full of the assassins that are going to Michael B. Jordan's house just run over a random guy taking the trash out for no reason? Like, yeah, we're we're fucking assholes. What what I liked about that what I liked about that scene is like apparently these assassins are like delivery guys where they just kind of go on their routes, and so it's like if they got to Michael B. Jordan first, like if they put if they mapped him differently, this movie could have been over pretty quickly, right? They could just be like, oh, we got him out of the way. Instead, they're like, ah, he's the last delivery of the day. All right, let's do this more elaborate. Break into the house, cut the power. (laughs) This whole this whole thing is supposed to just like yeah, yeah we just knocked a guy out by his trash cans or shot a guy in traffic couldn't have wait until he went to go get yogurt this like you like wait. Yeah, it, it could be simultaneously done it's like we'll just we'll get him in a swoop on our on our, on our ride home we'll, we'll just cover this it all so fucking bad like just that that so that's my problem right they they had all intentions of making a good movie and then they got tripped up by all of these small logistical concerns that really do matter when you're trying to have people believe that this is a, that this is something you could watch. And, and, you know, the level of believability is just not there. Abe, how about you? Where are you with this film? Yeah, this is not a good movie. And I, I I don't say that, you know, just to jump on a bandwagon or, or just to like beat a dead horse kind of thing. It's not a good movie in that it tried to be, a movie that was about tradecraft and spying and government double-cross, and it falls flat in all those categories, and it just never picks up on any one of them. It actually never really picks up even on, like, the Michael B. Jordan storyline because that it ends that one sort of abruptly. Um, and I, I would say that there are kudos for, yes, the action sequences, which are interesting and fun, at one point, I had to, like, pause to go get something, and I don't like pausing at home because it just, like, takes you out of the, the feel of the movie. I was, like, two-thirds of the way in, and they had done nothing because they continued to talk on the screen without doing a whole lot, which is unfortunate because it's a movie about, you know, uh, some military guys that are, like, the elite of the elite and doing some stuff. Like, I, I think it was just a, a, a really... Like, this is what happens, I guess, the feeling that I got when let's create a series of movies, but this first one, let's really set things up. And that's unfortunate because, you know, sometimes people receive it very poorly and you don't get to make those movies unless you're like the Divergent series 
um, which it keeps going until you can't make the last movie. But with all that being said, I just didn't think that this was a really well done movie. Like, there's nothing in here that is super compelling. And also, I looked up, like, when this book was written, because, like, why is this all this Cold War shit in, in here? Um, and it was, like, written in 1993, which makes a lot more sense. Uh, because I was like, they should have probably focused on a different enemy. Like, this just doesn't feel relevant to today. Plus, it, it also just, I, I don't know. There There's some nitpicks that I have with this movie toward the end there, too, where... Michael B. Jordan is just like killing, you know, some police officers that are not in this country. They're bad like, police officers. Th- yeah, but what did they do to him? <laughs> They're Russian. They're Russian. Yeah. That's what they did to them. Yes. <laughs> Don't you remember like the Rocky movies in Russia? Yeah, he was, exactly. it, it, there is a tie in here, damn it. Yeah, remember, he's... remember when Rocky covertly killed all those cops before fighting Drago? <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> He also, he also stopped the Cold War by himself with a fight. He set, if, he set hearts on fire. That's yeah, what exactly. happened to that movie. If he can change, <laughs> you can change. <laughs> we can all change. But I, I, yeah. I want to know how Brett Gilman ended up in this movie in, exactly. in, the, in this role. I, was, uh-huh. oh, I saw this. I was like, is that Brett Gilman? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't sure at first because, you know, it's kind of dark the first time you meet him. And then they show a photo of him. And I'm like... Why is Brett Gelman in this movie? But ultimately, what what I really think about this, uh, how I feel about kind of like the course of action of this movie, is that it just is kind of slowly paced with not a whole lot of either action or not a whole lot of tradecraft, which keeps you going in these spy movies, these spy thriller uh, movies. And unfortunately, the other thing is also, I just don't think, like, like uh, his his casting kind of worked out like this movie it felt as though it was like a, trying to be a throwback to a 90s action movie like a steven seagal movie where they kill his family he wakes up from a coma and goes on a killing spree or something like that and it just didn't have enough fun with either the script and or like the music choices or the action set pieces it, it just kept on going for this serious tone and it's not that serious of a movie. And unfortunately, like, you know, I even had to laugh because I knew where the ending was going, that mid the mid credits thinger uh-huh. was going. But then, like, when he names it, I was like, you said it in a hilarious way. And also, uh, like, it's personal. And I was like, OK, all right, guy, because we're never going to see the rest of these movies. Uh, but you should have just called it, you know, <laughs> the entire name of the video game series. So overall, it's kind of unfortunate because it's it's got interesting people in it like the cast is good like jamie bell and michael b jordan are good they just have terrible lines and also it it just falls flat and from a from an entire adaptation standpoint i'm sure that you guys could have pulled a lot more a lot more things out of this and so i I feel bad because you know go go watch a jack reacher instead or go watch um what was the other movie i thought of i'll just shout it out randomly (laughs) what's up the born movies Yes, yeah, I mean, like, those are much more interesting, and, and those are more serious, but I was thinking of, like, a fun, goofy, like, like, go watch Commando. <laughs> I um I don't disagree with you. I uh, I don't disagree with any of you. I think this movie's not great, and it's unfortunate, because I do think there's promise here as far as I'd like to see Michael B. Jordan lead an action franchise. Cool, I'm into that. And honestly, if they make another one of these... I, I'll I'll be I'll see it because I do like Michael B. Jordan. I was like, yeah, we got this nonsense out of the way. Maybe we can do something more interesting next time around. But this casting, you're not wrong. It there's, it's not that anyone's necessarily like badly cast with one giant exception because I called it from the trailer. But the um the for Same the most, Jody Turner Smith. 
<laughs> yeah, that's who. Um, <laughs> but, um, the um, it's weird when yeah you have Brett Gelman in the in the cast and like Cam Gigande is like the funniest person in this movie. <laughs> it's like okay, that's and then he gets on screen for twenty seconds. Then he gets horrifically murdered later, <laughs> early on in the film. But um, yeah, it's just. You know, I get that it's a Tom, a Tom Clancy movie, so it's not necessarily the place you go for, like, out-and-out out fun as opposed to a sense of seriousness that can still, like, lend itself to some cinematic entertainment. But, I mean, like, Hunt for Red October is a fun movie to watch. Like, there's there's ways to make this that doesn't have to be so sternly serious. And that's my biggest issue. This feels like a relic of the 90s made now, and it's like, you, you, you can't do that these days without, like, having... Not necessarily winking at the camera, but like having some kind of like understanding that self-seriousness can't be taken entirely seriously all the time. Like it doesn't help the film. So it just feels like this weird like there's nothing new here. I know entirely where the story is going down to who the bad guy actually is, because uh, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but like seriously, from the trailer, what I said right away is like I I, he stars as probably yeah. this guy, like, and it's like. <laughs> So what are we like? What's the point of this? I don't understand. I don't know how you like get to the final product and be like, "Yep, we nailed it." Like we did, we did something that no one's ever seen before. Because it's like you've seen every single step of this before, every single step. The action is, yeah, it's good enough. You have what's his name, the director uh, Stefano Salima, who did the uh, Sicario sequel, among other things. Yeah, he knows how to capture that. Like, there's a lot of long shots that I appreciated. Uh, even if the, yeah, uh, there were there were some impressive uh, single take shots where I was I was like, oh okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like it shows the. It's hard to say realistic because you know their movie star is getting shot, but like there's <laughs> there's a sense of like brutality, I guess, there visceralness yeah. that comes through in certain scenes where like where uh, John <laughs> John Kelly um, is like injured but still going, and everyone everyone seems tired. I feel like that was actually something I I, I appreciated. I, I also appreciated that they remembered that they were shot in a certain place, uh-huh. so they can't really move that part of their body. Yeah, and like it had that kind of realism going for yeah. it, which was like, okay, I, I I'm buying into the, the the nature of these scenes. I just right. wish the stuff around it was, you know, more effective. I will say the one standout scene for me. Well, there's a couple standout like action scenes for it, but I really liked when the there's a plane crash and he has to go underwater. Like sure. that was something that yeah. felt like okay, that's actually neat. That's a, like I'm seeing the stakes here. I'm seeing well, they how are, they also had like cool technicals in that in that yeah. scene. Yeah. So there's like a lot of stuff going on where it's like this feels like a unique like this feels like a scene we built like we want to do this scene. How do we build around it to get there? Like that's kind of what it felt right. like. But I appreciated that final product. So. I mean, well, I, mean, overall, yeah, I just it's you know it's a whatever movie. It's like okay. right. What what does John Kelly's name become? John Clark. John Clark. Oh, okay, okay. It's I, like I it's it was... like when um, Obi Wan Kenobi changed his name to Ben Kenobi because nobody will ever find him. <laughs> and there's I... a lot of there's a lot of Obi Wan Kenobis in the galaxy. Kenobi so... is the um, the Johnson of of uh, the Outer Rim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I one, yeah go ahead, Ben. Well, yeah, one of the things I just want to point out is that um, you know back in the '90s you had you know Schwarzenegger's catchphrases and that was them trying to be funny or add some levity. Mm-hmm. And now and so uh, these days, John Wick is a very funny movie, but not in that way. Right. So sure. it's a super serious action movie. But you're you're laughing at the audaciousness of, of the actions th- that comes out of it. Or you're laughing at the how, just how much of a badass he is in a, in a certain scene and how much respect he's given by other characters. Yeah. So it's not overtly, you know, nobody's writing jokes for that movie, but they're just they're doing it within the action. And I think that was one of the biggest missteps this film took is that's this movie. If you would have done it that way and the reverence for this character who is clearly everybody's calling him, uh, oh, 
are you the funny guy? No, you're the bad. He's the badass or whatever. Right. Like, yeah, okay, so make that part of the humor. But they just big swing and a miss on all that. It's why well, I think that, I think I think the biggest problem with mm-hmm. that is that you, you're. It's because they're adapting Tom Clancy books, right. which are, which are like the epitome of of airport reading material. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like you you can't steer too far from that because Tom Clancy does take it very seriously, and there are so many intricate details about tradecraft and spies and the CIA and all this stuff. It's so dense; those those books are doorstops, and so. Uh, they want, clearly wanted to make a movie that brought the excitement of like the video games that Tom Clancy's books have inspired, but then mixing the serious nature of the you know the stories as well. And so, I just yeah, I, I just I just wish this was a different movie basically. Well, yeah. the, the thing is, it it hints at doing that though. Like it has scenes where Jordan does some like ingenious things, like the airport thing for the airplane thing for one thing, but also like when he when he covers himself in 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 piss and alcohol to like yeah to, to confuse to confuse and like uh, get you know get some information he needs or like mm-hmm. when he douses that car in gasoline and burns it and then goes and stuff like there's stuff there that i think that's fun like there's that's it's both creative but also like obviously yes like you're saying it's not like out and out funny but there's something there that's like that's unique that's something yeah, different yes. that gives it that gives you a sense of the character yes. and then the movie just drops that in favor like, of standard yeah, shootout yeah, stuff talk about brad be more like him. <laughs> Compliment me, damn it. No, I, wasn't, I was I wasn't disagreeing with you. I hate you so much. <laughs> whoa, 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 Brad! I'm on your side. Not really. <laughs> but it, but it, or even the um the one of my favorite scenes, the prison scene where he like gets himself covered in like he creates a yeah. unique setting for himself as far as how to survive this thing, and it's like. Why did we drop all that like later on in the film? Like, there's, there's stuff well, I there. Mean, that's sort of what I was getting to with like, hey, there's like this revenge thriller going on, and John Wick is is a great example of that. Ben, where it's just like, hey, I'm gonna focus on one thing only. I'm gonna revenge. I'm gonna go uh, avenge, revenge my wife, uh, and this dog that you guys have killed. Uh, avenge, revenge is one of my favorite emo bands. <laughs> yeah, they came out in, 19, in 2013. Get their last album, um, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I think that they really just dropped that whole entire Michael B. Jordan revenge thing because it be, there's some finality to it, but it's confusing. And then also they're like, oh, by the way, the plot thickens. Like, what plot? There was there was never a hint of like – I mean there were hints of there's a, a ulterior motives and a deeper, darker secret here. But, you know, I, I think really everybody here on this podcast is just like we we know exactly where this is going. We've seen too many movies. Well, like, stop yeah. it. Like I've watched. I'm watching Jamie Bell like playing hard, and it's no. I I think Jamie Bell is good, but it's just because there's another thing here that's so obvious to me. It's like, well, obviously Jamie Bell's not the problem. Like, I it's... also <laughs> want to shout out five foot seven, five foot eight actors against <laughs> five six feet actors. So yeah. thank you, <laughs> for being like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put Jamie Bell. And I'm gonna have him like push a gun out of his face for Michael B. Jordan, <laughs> and then get throat chopped by Michael B. Jordan. This is written by Taylor Sheridan, the co-wrote at least. I was surprised by that, and, and kind of yeah, because it, you know, his movies aren't necessarily like funny either, but there he does have, he's he can be a good writer. A lot of thoughts in them too, like yeah, he wrote Hell or High Water. Yeah, so. so it's like there, there's there's a mix of. There could be quips, maybe, but there could also just be kind of a, I don't know, an introspectiveness to things that make it feel a certain way, where it's not just, hey, there's action, but there's also this kind of, like, what does it all mean aspect to it. And that yeah. comes through in his better films, and it just, 
again, I get like Brad, you were saying it's it's a Tom Clancy novel and they're dense with information, but at the same time, it's like there has to be something more here. But that speaks to what you're saying, Abe, as far as this revenge plot, as generic as it is, that gives me something to work with. But yeah, it just kind of fades away after a while. And like, what's the motivation at this point to go after Russians? That's boring. To go after secret people behind government problems? That's also very boring and very done. So it's like, what are what are we going for? And it's just, well, there's uh, also only one like character double cross would have been interesting if you had two or three so yeah because then i wouldn't be able to see everything i needed to know from the first minutes of this movie (laughs) yeah Yeah. so anyway i mean they they picked they picked and pick pick they picking i don't even i can't even think this morning (laughs) picket fences Uh, yeah i don't know basically they've uh decided to choose from a few buckets of movies that we've seen and because they did that it just doesn't feel super cohesive any other thoughts of Without Remorse? Because I feel like we've <laughs> covered the basics here on what we thought of it. It's unfortunate that I saw the trailer because the trailer has like all the cool parts. <laughs> Just pick what you want to be and be it. It's exactly. A, it's a, it's a, an, an analogy for life. Put it on, a, yeah, put on a poster, Ben, and hang it in your office. Uh, <laughs> pick what you want to be. Pick what but you want to be and be but it. First, you got to take down that capo that says hang in there. <laughs> Well, when should people go and see Without Remorse? It's currently streaming on HBO or on HBO on uh, Amazon Prime Video uh, in full 4K glory. Uh, uh, Brad, when should people see this movie? Go see it in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. Some money. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, throw it on in the background uh, one day when you're you're cooking burgers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's whatever. Just, just, yeah, whatever. Just, just get it out of the way if you need need to. Ben, I think that you should wait to see if there will be the Rainbow Six sequel thing that's actually going to happen because that could be a good movie. And if they are making that movie, then watch this one to get it out of the way for the for the crappy build, so you at least know what's going on for the good sequel. Hey, uh, I'm kind of with Brad there. It's like a TV movie with commercials that you can watch it and then also just do something else. Also, do you guys like the way that um, he put on glasses and nobody knew who he was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he pulled off a Killmonger. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. a, it's, a tease, it's a tease for him becoming Superman. Oh, oh also oh, there. Oh, yeah, oh. exactly. Hashtag welcome to the war. <laughs> I, actually, I actually wonder if that's a nod to the fact that uh, John Clark in the other Jack Ryan movies, didn't he have glasses? Maybe because <laughs> it was uh, he was, at, at least once because he was played by James Earl Jones, wasn't he? No, no, no. John Clark was James Earl, James Earl Jones is um, like the director. guy. Actually, Jodie Turner Smith plays his his that character's. I, oh, really? I believe niece. Yeah. Oh, his, oh, his name's his name's Greer and her name's Karen Greer. So oh, like, OK, like, OK. Uh, never mind. No, yeah, the John Clark was Willem Dafoe in Clear and Present Danger. And Lee, that's right. And that's Liam, Liam Schreiber right. and um, some of them. You know. He's somewhat of a scientist himself. <laughs> <laughs> they need to take without remorse back to formula. Exactly. <laughs> back to formula? <laughs> Out, am I? <laughs> I didn't okay. kill my wife. <laughs> I, that's my favorite Green Goblin line. <laughs> <laughs> I like how specific that is, but that just shows how great that the, the Willem Dafoe's Norman Osborn was. Because it's very obvious. 
Um, I don't disagree with you guys. I actually did watch. I had it. I watched it twice because I did actually put it on in the background, and it was perfectly suited oh, for the background. No, <laughs> well, because I had other things to do, and I was like, I it'd been a week, and I'm like, you mean your room? Yeah. Well, it'd been a week, and I'm like, I don't remember this movie. This <laughs> way, I've seen like uh, I've seen like five other movies. I'm like, I need. To, I guess I need to catch up on this again. So I just had it on in the back. It's like, oh, okay, I got it. Like it's so very yeah. very quickly. Last thing I want to say about it is I. I did take Google Doc notes while I was watching it, uh-huh. but also about halfway through, I decided I can't do this without alcohol. So I will admit that by the end of the movie, I was quite drunk. And there, the, the one of the last things that I have is, you know what he should have done is he, he should have taken over for Jack Reacher. And then I got nothing makes sense. This movie is terrible. Last thing I said. Good notes. Good notes. Those are good notes because we could nitpick this movie to death. Why would you send three snipers and then show that families live in that building? Problems, guys. Russians, man. We got it. I think we nailed it. All right. That's been our review for Without Remorse. Let's move on now. Let's get to our next review for The Mitchells versus The Machines. Is that a burnt orange 1993 station wagon? Or is it? Ah, Who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells, the only people who can save the world. I'm super sorry, everyone. Let me introduce myself. I'm Katie. I'm sort of a weirdo. My parents haven't figured me out yet. To be fair, it took me a while to figure myself out. My brother, also weird. Hi, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? No. Okay, thank you. And my mom. Katie Face Cupcake. All of us, really. How about we put our phones down and we can make 10 seconds of unobstructed family eye contact. Starting now. See, this is good right here. This is natural. Every family has its challenges. We haven't had a good family picture in years because you two are always arguing. For my family, our greatest challenge... Probably the robot apocalypse. That should have been some of the trailer for the Mitchells versus the Machines. Producers Phil Lord and Chris Miller have teamed with writers Mike Rianda and Jeff Rout to deliver the latest entry in Sony Pictures Animation's wacky, irreverent adventure fantasies, which this time involves the, the creative outsider Katie Mitchell and her family. While Katie is ready to meet people with her interests, her nature-loving dad suddenly plans a road trip for the whole family to go on to get his daughter to college while having one more fun adventure. That adventure grows more dangerous when it turns out all computer chip-based machines stage an uprising, leaving it up to the Mitchell family to save humanity. Ben, I'm going to go to you first this time. What did you think of Mitchell's, the Mitchells versus the Machines? I loved it. I loved it, loved it. Um, I think that I can't remember another animated feature that f- that like showed different animation within animation or or the the like when they draw the little squiggly lines and the little hearts and things like that around the actual characters mm-hmm. so many animated comedies uh are just stick to well this is animated but we're not going to be you know kind of breaking the fourth wall with things and i really 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 enjoyed that aspect of it and then there were a lot of uh the the humor was uh, you know the best comedy right is unexpected i didn't expect like the furby scene i didn't expect a lot of um the dialogue and a lot of how serious things got uh for some of the characters and just they played it for for laughs in the, in the best way and i don't want to spoil anything because i want people to see this movie so it was just you know five stars all day long we're gonna have to spoil it a little because there's a lot of jokes <laughs> but with that yeah. said brad yeah what do you think of the mitchell's versus the machines yeah this movie is uh is incredible i i absolutely love the animation style um it, it carries over some of the uh flourishes of spider-man into the spider-verse but also adds you know 
other little touches. Uh, you know, like Ben said, the kind of breaking the fourth wall by allowing the story to be framed by the main character as if she was like making a movie about this this um, trip and like what happened to her family with this robot uprising uh, was really cool. I, I, I like that even though it's 3D computer animation, it has touches of 2D animation where there are like sketch textures and things on, on their faces for like their their hair and their face wrinkles and the, uh, uh, their shirt designs and stuff like that. It's, it's a brilliant mixture um, of 2D drawings and 3D animation. Uh, the voice cast is incredible. One of the things I, I have, I continually get frustrated with with certain animation studios is they cast the biggest names possible for a lot of these movies and the voices don't always match up with the character design. And it just feels like they could have done so much better. P Pixar is really good at just getting the right voices. Um, and I think Sony pictures animation has really been stepping up and doing some really interesting things. Um, and the, the cast here uh, works so well with, with their characters. And I just, in my mind, Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, can do no wrong. They have such a good eye for picking up talent to carry on the, like the stories that they want to tell. And uh, Mike Rianda, the director here is, is no exception. Um, it's just such a vibrant, colorful movie. It has a big beating heart. I love that. It doesn't kind of, it doesn't mock the idea of like the happy ending and like love between families, but it does kind of turn it on its head a little bit because they, they do po poke fun at the idea of, Oh, you know, love is what will save humanity. And like, mm -hmm. um, that is part of it, but it's more so about the idea of just how to find, uh, like love and, um, togetherness when you're a dysfunctional family, when you don't always agree on things. And that makes that message, I think, hit in such, such a more authentic way. Abe, how about you? Yeah, I, I also love this movie. I don't disagree with anything that Brad or, or Ben said about the animation style. I love that they mixed in different types of animation style. But I think what I really love about this movie is like its commitment to goofiness. And so I think this kind of speaks to like the Phil Lord and Chris Miller universe where they've done these things. I mean, Aaron and I talked about Cloud of the Chesapeake Meatballs like a long time ago. But that movie is so off the walls and wacky. And it would have been nothing that I would have imagined the book to be because the book is so simple. The book is like nine pages or 16 pages and it just took it and ran with it. And so like, let's just make this crazy zonky, but like what everybody here has said so far with a giant heart, you know, there's like a huge story at the middle of it, which is this father son uh, thing. And in here there's more of that. There's uh, I, I just love the creative freedom that these people are giving uh, either Michael Rwanda or Jeff Rowe or just the way that Michael uh, Rwanda R Rianda and Jeff Rowe are thinking about their their world, their life, their universe and just exploring it and letting all these animators do almost seemingly whatever they want to do. Hey, like you've got this idea. That's great. It's only going to be in here for like two seconds, but go and animate it and we'll put it in here. Um, and so I, I love it on that level too. Just like, hey, the movie making process of this is fantastic. It's about this girl going to college, uh, an arts college, no less. So I'm sure that a lot of these people relate um, to that as well. But I, I really enjoy this movie for how it starts out, where it gets going, and also for where it ends up. There are a lot of jokes in between. Um, so it's a really full movie. And I also really like the score in this movie. Um, I liked that it also allowed you to kind of really get a sense of all the characters within the family by themselves. And I, I honestly just love when movies take chances, right? So we've talked about this a lot. Um, and we harp on this whenever you're making a movie. It's like, 
if you're gonna take a chance and make something goofy and you're not really sure people are gonna like it, I think people are gonna respect it more than than like something that plays it safe, right? I mean, we we just talked about uh, the Michael B. Jordan movie, yeah, without remorse, where it's like it feels ultra safe, like oh, this is what everybody knows, and this one's just like fuck it, let's like go off the walls here and like. Yeah, you guys drive this shitty car. You guys are not a good family. We're also going to introduce a lot of like insurgency within your family early, um, and we'll we'll uh, we'll resolve it at the end there in ways that make a lot of sense, like you know, with these cool action sequences and action beats. Um, so on the whole, like this is a terrific movie, and I'm just really bummed that it got pushed to to Netflix, which is not a bad thing. Just more that it would have been great to have um, like a release in theaters, and people could have been really excited to see this and kind of just like really push that Sony Animation Studios and Phil, Phil Lord Chris Miller brand uh, to, to more people. Um, I also, the last thing is, is I also like how uh, they answer questions that a lot of other movie invasions or alien invasion movies don't answer, which is like, is this only happening here? And then they just go on this montage of it's happening worldwide. Uh, you pointed out, Ben, um, surprises in films. And I agree with you because it's, you know, walking into, the, or, you know, turning this on and walk in anything um, yeah. <laughs> um i was expecting to get a hilarious film because of the pedigree involved i really like what phil Lord and chris miller have done in the past as far as their efforts as producers and directors on these various animated comedies for sony pictures let alone the 21 jump street movies or whatnot so just you know the the, the prospect of seeing a film that would make me laugh was not like you know I wasn't not expecting not to, but it did surprise me in some of the way the irreverence really just found like a, a certain fever pitch to just make me even more excited and happy with what I was getting. Like that Furby scene, for example, um, there's just, a, there's a lot of like great, like individual moments that are entirely earned because of clever setups early on. Um, and just like wonderful payoffs and even just like a sense of randomness or like at least like creative chaos is how I like to put it as far as how they're bringing things to to life without feeling like a cheat or feeling like just like a you know it's not just like a a specific like call out to this thing that you think is funny there's reasons behind like every single joke here which makes them layered and clever and will reward rewatches easily because of how densely populated the film is with visual gags and little moments and various things that all kind of build into its own little joke universe as far as how to make this thing funny and yes obviously the story is very heartfelt and packed with good character development like the movie is almost two hours it's almost a little long but at the same time, it's because you get so much time spent with this family and these characters that all the rewards that come from seeing them eventually work together in something, it pays off not only in an adventure and comedic standpoint, but from a emotional one as well, because you get to see what that progress has, you know, what the what 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 has led to all that progress. So it's just a, a very well-constructed, well-written movie that does everything it needs to as far as being an animated comedy that has so much going for it as far as the visuals go and the characters, and the very strong voice cast. Like, it's all just really, really well handled, and just funny. Like, it's such a funny movie. There's so there's joke after joke after joke in a way that I don't get very often when it comes to these kind of things, except when I get pretty much these movies. So, because um, I'm a huge Cloudy Pachance Meatballs fan, I really like the Lego movies. Um, it, it, you know, just seeing more of that is great. And it, like, Sony Pictures Animation... Like, I 
I, I, I feel like calling it underrated is not a problem because it is like they, they've delivered a lot um, that, that I think has been very successful. It makes me want to watch the rest of the Hotel Transylvania movies because like if these are working, like maybe those are doing something that I'm not aware of because there's a fourth one coming out this summer. It's like, OK, I'm, I need to get in on this because <laughs> this studio seems to like know what it's doing as far as like just making really fun. like I feel like that's what I feel like this is what Illumination inspires to be where it's not about being the kind of emotional drawn out areas that Pixar goes I just heard a little screaming at me, by the way. Yeah. So, it's not yeah. going for that emotion that Pixar is, although there is emotion in these movies. Uh, but it does feel like I it's pro- it's it's pure like Looney Tunes action at, at a lot of points. And I feel yeah. like that Illumination feels like they want to do that, and Sony Pictures feels like they are doing that. It, and... it feels like a cross between like what Pixar is doing from like a story level and from like a storytelling level, mm-hmm. mixed with like some of the goofiness of Leica. And just like, hey, let's just do our own thing. Um, that's and great. Just, just to add on to this real quick, I, I think the best thing that happened to Phil Lord and Chris Miller is getting fired from Solo. Because so since then, they've given us Spider-Verse and now this movie. And like, yeah. I and I, I understand that the producers on both of those things. But just the fact that they, they're they letting that, creative, they, that creativity continue to push them to you know, incorporate more people that seem to be on their level as far as like the kind of sense of humor they want to put out in movies. Like... I'm all for that. I'm all for building this world of animators and writers and creatives that seem to have this sense of, you know, where are these quote unquote others that have a lot of fun ideas and we want to put them on the big screen in a big budget movie. And this seems to be like, they seem to be a great outlet for letting that happen. So I'm very happy to see that happen. I think one of the, one of the things that Brad and I have talked about uh, with other uh, comedies, not just animated, but just overall is, man, I really, w- they did that and it was really funny, but I really wish they would have taken it like one step further and made the joke a little bit deeper or just another layer to it. And I think this movie has a lot of great examples of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of, one of my favorites was when they, you know, they see the dinosaur park, they stop at the dinosaur park. And of course it's a rundown crap <laughs> version of the dinosaur park, but that's not just the joke. Then they cut to the guy who's bathing in a water fountain, <laughs> you know, in a, yeah, in a, in a drinking fountain. And yeah. it, so the, I just, I, I, I don't know that a lot of comedies would go that extra step just to make that. And it's just a one-off little stupid extra joke, but right. that's the kind of thing that it was over and over again in this movie that really made it worthwhile. Reminiscent of uh, the ongoing jokes within a goofy movie as well, where they stop off at that opossum park. Um, speaking real quick, speaking of the yeah. dinosaurs that, that corresponds with the little brother character who's voiced by Mike Rant Rianda, the director, uh, his co-writer. Um, for one thing, I really like that character. I, I like that they, he's obsessed with dinosaurs, and there's a scene of him calling people in the phone book, asking if he wants to talk about dinosaurs, which is really funny. <laughs> like, he's calling every single name. At all. Yeah. Like, he's saying the Ks, and he's not yeah. even dissuaded a little bit. Yeah, it's really funny. But I also, were I to, you know, I feel like that character is someone that is on the spectrum. I think that's very what they're what they're trying to go for with the character. And I think it's it's a mix of that as well as the lead character Katie, voiced by Abby Jacobson. Um, she is she's on the LGBTQ uh, like spectrum. Like so it's it's a very inclusive film as well. It's very much trying to go for this sense of diversity and And I I like that it is inclusive without calling attention to it in a way that's like, exactly. wow, look, look at what we're doing. Aren't we so progressive? It's like, no, these are just characters that exist in a story and they're just regular people. You like you don't have to make a like a shine a light on it and make it, you know, the most prominent thing about them. Right? Yeah, the, the father-daughter relationship had nothing to do with the fact that she is LGBTQ what whatsoever. It that's not the story. It's just that you're exactly right. Brad. that's a really great way of phrasing that yeah ben again stealing brad's thunder um <laughs> <sighs> no but just in terms of like the storytelling and and everything else or what everybody here is saying is like it feels very comprehensive and complete and an example 
example of that is when you have a fight sequence and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, let me pick up like this cannon here and let me destroy some robots. Oh, those two robots are still there. And then there's a misfunction or a malfunction. That is a, an idea or that is like a concept of like, cool, let's just not like like wedge something in here. It happens organically. And then the consequences are to their advantage, right? It, and it lets the it lets the film speak to the logic of its own universe. Like there, mm-hmm. the the things that take place, there's purpose to them, like we've said. But there's also like the film never betrays its own logic in that way, as far as right. like the machines that are there, or like the the weapons or whatever you want to call them, the zero point gravity thing, like the the things that do certain. I, that accomplish certain things. It's there's a consistency there, which it, it might be seem like a little thing, but it's important. It's important that a film follows its own rules, and I feel like this is a movie that very much follows its own rules, despite being this you know this level of chaos that's on screen on a, on a constant level as far as the action and whatnot goes. And you sort of talked about the movie length here. It's almost at two hours, and while while I didn't really feel it, I sort of sort of also felt it. If that makes sense. Where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a longer movie, but I, I dig where this is going. I kind of really want to keep going on this adventure with this family and finding out how this world works and all this like these goofy things that they can get into. Um, because it is very creative. And we, we talk about the mall scene. Like, the mall scene is cool in that, yes, there's like a, a furry sequence. But also, it didn't have the robots there. You know what I mean? Like, an easy movie would be like, well, let's just send all these robots to this mall and have them fight it out. It's like, no the world is inhabited by these chips that are made by this manufacturer, by this company. Therefore it's more fun if we did a toaster or there's a a variety to the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or a dishwasher or a washing machine. And let's make that happen. But yeah, it's very creative, very fun. And again, like kudos to everybody involved for just being like, whatever your wacky idea is, let's do it. Speaking of the robots, by the way, you have, there's a lot of robots in this movie, but there's two main ones voiced by Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen, <laughs> who I think are hilarious in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like they, right. There's a there's a turn that happens, and like the process of getting to that point, it's so fu- it's not only funny because it's like them being funny, but also because like the family are watching them like go through this, and they have great things to say about it too. Like yeah. it's just just there's a lot there that just makes it just incredibly humorous. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, one cool detail, Ben. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's, there's a very local shout out to our neck of the woods. Um, when they first start off on their trip, um, they're, so they're, they're from Michigan, and there's no real detail that gives us away unless you're paying attention. But there's um, the billboard that they see for the burger place that they go to is called Redamax. It is yep. a real. It's a real burger place oh. that is 20 minutes north of us here uh, in New Buffalo, Michigan, and I actually reached out to Mike Rianda about this because I was like, okay, I was like, who on your crew is from Michigan or did their research and actually like found a Michigan burger place and how did it end up in this in the movie? <laughs> um, and so I, it, it turns out that they um, they even reached out to Redimax about this, like to like include them in the movie. Um, and so they had uh, their um, co-writer, Jeff Rowe, and co-director. He's from Chicago. And he, I guess he said, he's, he's like, this place is how you know you're in Michigan. And I guess they, um, when they initially called, the owner of Redimax uh, hung up on them because he like <laughs> they, they pitched them what the, you know, the idea was that the family is, you know, going to get sick at the burger place. And they were like, no. And uh, 
it had been suggested that they're like, well, we can just make up, you know, a billboard that is just as weird. And I, and I guess they were like, <laughs> no, they were, they were like the image of this weird boy eating this burger. We can't come up with something that is just as weird. We have to have this in the movie. Yes. And they were able to pull it off. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and check out the, cause I noticed a billboard when they're leaving, but I just didn't know that it was like, it was true to life. Yeah, right. it's a it's a real and the, and the funny thing is it's 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 not a dive it's a it's a really good burger place it's, it's open uh-huh. seasonally it's very very popular cool. um and so it was it was just really funny to see that sounds like we might have to take a road trip to the Midwest Aaron yeah that's <laughs> what we're doing the other, the other the other like little tidbit I mean there's a lot of like I feel like I have to go watch this movie on half speed because there's just, like so many great things in the background especially like when they plop where they do like a, a screen uh uh quick screen show mm-hmm. but um i love that they're drinking shasta cola like i don't know why but that was just like one thing that i picked up I was like i dig yeah. it uh did they at the very end when things were uh winding down and they were uh kind of blipping out did i see a, a frame of elon musk yes Is okay. It? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes yeah. you did i was yeah. like i i tried to pause it and catch it i couldn't even catch the frame so i was like well screw it not gonna <laughs> Oh, you mean future iconic SNL host Elon Musk? <laughs> Let me come up with some skits and throw them out on Twitter. Oh, Irony Man. I like how Chris Red wrote back to him and said, like, they're they're kind of just called um, sketches. Sketches, yeah. It's a... how about how about Ham Radio? It's a where John Ham has his own radio show. Mm. And he's dressed as a giant ham. Yes. Bone it's a, in. I go well. It's a weird birthday present for me that SNL is going for, but I, I'll, we'll, see what, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, I like this cast a lot. I mean, we talked about it, but I like—I mean, I like that they're all re- fully realized characters. I like mentioned Rianda and uh, Dan Jacobson, but also Danny McBride is the father. Maya Rudolph is the mother. These just work. Like these are just great casting choices as far as how you, how you, you know, separate these people, how you get them, you know, to work together as a unit but also and a, and a real dog as the pug apparently yeah oh, doug the true. pug yeah <laughs> yeah blake griffin and conan o'brien olivia mm-hmm. coleman eric andre in his most realistic role, role as a person <laughs> <laughs> they still gave him like the shirt that eric andre would wear though which is hilarious um no just a, just you know a lot of fun casting all Terrific around solid cast yeah mm-hmm. and you're right Abe, the the mark mother's bell score is very fun in this movie as well, which I mean, moving at times too. Tends to do. I think he's done all the Phil and Lord, Phil Lord and Chris Miller like productions for the most part, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. At least the, the like animated comedy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it uh, it all just, it yeah, it really does just come together really well. Uh, <laughs> what else can we say beyond just like revealing jokes, like when the Furby thing happens, like when yeah. the Furby thing happens, and he says, "Pain just makes me stronger," and I cracked up. <laughs> well, I also like how you have to read subtitles during that. that oh yeah. As well, like I, I'm like, I, I return to the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. I don't know. It, that felt very much like, uh, like when I first watched Anchorman, and I was like, "Why are they saying such weird things as grown adults?" Like, and so like, why would a Furby say the most random? And they're not crass. They're just mm-hmm. weird. And I think that it was really, really funny to see that again. It's like it's built for gifts to use later. Like that's what the scene feels like. <laughs> yeah. But I also like how the writing is so funny that and and thoughtful that they're like, who would who would even build this? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> they're like, yeah, let's introduce this, but also like, logically, why is this even why does this exist? <laughs> yeah. And also, also recognizing the fact that it's it's kind of an outdated reference to even bring Furby back. Like, like um, the the brother, he's, he's like, what's a Furby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the they're going in the mall is still and they're, they're he grabs the tennis racket because there's no way that could be technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here we are. <laughs> and yet, feel, and yet, and the and within the scene, there's still like emotional arcs, like the awesome. robots become more fully realized as characters during right. the sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they 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 grow attached to people, right? They start calling people mother. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uh even those robots later on, they actually have another like human element to them, which is very fascinating to see. But yeah, no, I I just really appreciated everything about this movie. I have to go watch it again because um there's just so much to pick up, and so that you can probably find all like the the gags uh, in the background. Any other thoughts on the Mitchells versus the Machines? Loved it. Loved it, loved yeah. it. Yeah. Go see it. All right. Well, well, when should people see it, Abe? <laughs> now, this Sam, is, now. If this is like, our, yeah, on our old scale, this would be an IMAX rating for me. Like, this is like the highest of the highest. Uh, like, you should go see this right away. Yeah, I think it is playing in some select theaters um, in addition to being available on Netflix. So if, if you have the ability and it's playing in theaters around you, go see it in theaters. Yeah. I think that it's it's unfortunate that it is a Netflix uh, release just because a lot of people don't understand that that it could be a really good movie just because it's on Netflix and yeah. like you, I, this is one of those that I got to tell like I've got uh, my friends out in Boston right and they've got two girls like seven and and eleven and I'm like I'm gonna have to call her and be like hey I know you guys aren't really going to the movies lately because there's not a lot of big releases but this is one on Netflix you should absolutely go out yeah. of your way to watch and, and you know just to like, quickly add on it's not so much that, like the movie is great and whatever. It's also like the story touched me emotionally and I can like I, I felt things throughout it. So that's why it's just like it's great to look at. It's got a good story, but also I, I felt attached to it. And so I, I certainly would champion it. So definitely an IMAX. And then on our streaming home scale, it's like, yeah, this is like premium VOD, like pay twenty five dollars to see this if you need to see. Well, well, fortunately, it's on Netflix for free. So, I mean, it's, it's very well, you're, you're still paying a subscription price. But yeah, well, yeah, but uh, I, I don't disagree with any of you guys. I do think it's one that's well worth watching whenever you get a chance to do it because why not it's just really no drop everything do it now entertaining i mean it it's an it is and it is unfortunate that i didn't get it like a proper theatrical release and i understand the reasons why or what have you but it's like this and you know with the pixar films where there's a lot of reports coming out now about how the animators and people that are making those movies are really upset with the disney plus for you know not only not putting it in theaters but putting it out for free on disney plus it's like Guys, (laughs) Guys, <laughs> there's a lot of effort going into the, some of these things. They feel like they're a lot more worthwhile than some of the other things that come out on a constant basis, some of these streaming services. Just keep uh, keep swooping up those Oscars, and Disney will have to do something about it. <laughs> what One would think. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but I, I do feel for that, that team. So yeah, uh, good movie. Um, all right, well, with with that out of the way those two reviews done let's uh let's move on now uh what uh hey what uh what time Aaron, it's time for a quick game here little known fact that's actually olivia coleman's uh, personal ringtone <laughs> yeah from, from the father no less from the, from the father, yes uh that is of course the improv theme for games and i have a couple of games for you guys for this okay. week get excited this is game heavy. Um, the first game is called Robo Boogie. I am going to read the taglines for movies featuring either robots, dance, or both. Uh, <laughs> if you feel like you know the movie, uh, buzz in and say your name and then the answer. Okay. Cool? Yeah. Right. I love it. All right, let's do this. Here's the first one. Champions aren't born. 
they're made. Ben. Ben. Uh, real steel. That is real steel. Oh. Someone's good at the taglines there. I hesitated. I should have known. <laughs> Here's the next one. To erase the line between man and machine is to obscure the line between men and gods. Brad. Brad. Ex Machina. Ex Machina is correct. Ooh. Nice. You guys are good at games. You guys, are, yeah. you guys play them. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. We's all need some to love. What? Wait, what? We's all need someone to love. We's all need someone to love? The second tagline I can read as well. What What are, what are the categories again? These are movies featuring robots, dance, or both. Robots, dance, or both. Okay. We's all need... I don't know. The, the second tagline is futuristic as fuck. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> These are great taglines, by the way. I just don't know the movie. Futuristic as fuck? Robot fuckers. <laughs> I will say the slang comes from South Africa. Oh, Brad. Brad? Chappie. That is Chappie. Uh, uh, loves to paint. <laughs> Chappie loves lots of things. Including Hugh Jackman wearing like weird shorts so and blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. It is the year 2005, and a new evil threatens the galaxy in the most incredible adventure you've ever seen. 2005? The future of 2005. <laughs> I like the quiver in the voice. <laughs> I really have to emphasize how important <laughs> the fact that it's the future of 2005. Uh, yeah? Bicentennial, man. Incorrect. That's I think that's further. <laughs> man, I'm trying to... I don't know. 2005. Yeah, I I'm, don't know. I'm going to name a song that robots dance to in this movie, and I feel like one of you two, specifically, because I don't think any of you have seen this one, because I think we've talked oh. about it. <laughs> but it's going to narrow it down very quickly. The song is Dare to be Stupid. I thought that would get a quicker answer. Br- Brad? <laughs> Brad? Is it UHF? Incorrect. Oh. Okay. Uh, oh, no. One of the voices in this movie is Orson Welles. Ooh. Oh, I know what it is now. Seems like you're the only one, so Brad. Yeah, Transformers the movie. Transformers colon the movie is the right answer. Never seen that. You ever seen Transformers the movie? Oh, it's a blast. I haven't actually either. Oh my god, you guys. <laughs> I, figured, I figured it'd be on top of this one. But yes, it does have Dare to be Stupid in a in a mid a mid movie dance break. It's great. Wow. <laughs> Here's the next one. Repair for adventure. Ben. Ben? Robots. It, it <laughs> how'd you know robots? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ben, you, you must have given Ben the answers. Like, this is I, I had a feeling this would be a tough one, so I wrote down the voices to see if you guys would get it from this. I'm going <laughs> to read you the voice cast of this movie because it is insane. I'm going to read it from the bottom. Drew Carey, Paul Giamatti, Jennifer Coolidge, Amanda Bynes, Jim Broadbent, Terry Bradshaw, Mel Brooks, Halle Berry, Robin Williams, and Ewan McGregor. Wow. That's a, that's a cast list. That's, that's a cast list. <laughs> That's like the exact product of like mid two thousands. Let's cast quote unquote Everybody. the biggest names possible. <laughs> okay, here's the last one for this one. When East meets West, the champion remains standing. Hmm. Abe. Abe. Um. Rush Hour Two. 
Incorrect. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a scene where there's robots dancing in the Rush Hour franchise. <laughs> I was also thinking this very quickly also. When East meets West, the champion remains standing. Here's a hint. This movie came up earlier in this episode. Hmm. Uh, ben. Ben. Speed 2 Cruise Control. <laughs> Is that true? Incorrect. <laughs> I mean, uh, what? When East meets West. The champion remains standing. I feel like that second part, you need to really factor that first part. Champion, champion remains standing. I don't know. Furby goes west. <laughs> We, we talked about the villainous threat of without remorse earlier. It is that same threat. The Russians? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's... The Rats of Nim. Oh, uh, uh, Rocky Four. Rocky Four is the correct answer. <laughs> Robots. I mean, he got Gorbachev to clap for him. <laughs> Happy birthday, Polly. Well, Brad, you you were able to run away with this one. Um, good job, Brad. Good job. You won. I love this. robots dancing. What can I say? <laughs> I have one more game. Yes. This one is called Ooh Navy Seals. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did Brad help you title these? <laughs> I feel like you got my reference. <laughs> I am going to. So I have a list of actors here who have all portrayed Navy Seals in films. I am going to read you movies these actors have starred in, and you have to guess the actor I'm referring to. Oh, I like this. Okay. Obviously, these will not be the most obvious of movies for the most part until I get to mm -hmm. the end if you guys still don't get it. If you feel you know it any time along can the I, way... Can I pre guess your first one? No. If you feel like... You, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you feel you know the answer any time along the way I'm saying these movies, buzz in. Stop me okay. in my tracks and say the answer. Sounds good. Okay. Here's the first one. Abe. Tom Berenger. <laughs> Fortunately for you, I don't have Tom Berger anywhere on this list. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> Here's the first one. Lucas, The Rookie, Eight Men Out, The Chase. Brad. Brad. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen is the correct answer. Mm. The next was Money Talks, Hot Shots, Men at Work, Platoon. Mm -hmm. Here's the next one. He stars in the movie. He's in Navy SEALs, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yes. Here's the next one. Jade. The Art of War. Clockstoppers. The Seventh Sign. Planet Terror. The Abyss. Ben. Ben? Michael Bain. Michael Bain is the correct answer. The other star of Navy SEALs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A movie I've never seen, by the way. I've never seen Navy Seals. You, you can sit, you can skip it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm fine with this fact. Here's the next one. Mojave. Broken City. Renaissance Man. Brad. Brad? Colin Farrell. Incorrect. Damn it. The, oh, I know who it is now. Son of a bitch. The Corrupter. <laughs> the Truth Abe. About Abe? Wait, The Corrupter? Oh, no, I, I don't know. Mark Wahlberg. That that's correct. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I was like, wait, is Mark Wahlberg? No, I was like, I can't remember who's in that movie with Chai Yun Fett. That that is the corrupter. You got yeah. it. Yeah. There we go. The truth about Charlie, the yards, we own the night, Three Kings. Yeah. His Navy Seal movie was uh, uh, Lone Survivor. Yes. <laughs> Here's the next one. The comebacks, the rocker, Case Thirty Nine. The words. 
War Dogs. Sir Brad. Brad? Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper is the correct answer. He was in War Dogs? Yeah, yeah. remember? <laughs> no, I, he's, I have... he's, the, he's the big arms dealer that they meet with. Yeah. <laughs> he played a Navy SEAL in The Hangover. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, how they found, that's how they found their best friend. Yep. He, I didn't just... remember. I didn't remember he was in War Dogs until I started making this game. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Roll in that movie. That's because War Dogs sucks. <laughs> um, I had Serena, The Mule, Hit and Run, Yes Man, Failure to Launch, The Hangover. Brad and I have said, well, maybe you disagree with me now, Brad, but it's on it, that War Dogs is my number one movie that fell off from the trailer to the actual viewing of the film. The trailer is amazing, and the movie is dog shit. There is no further gap between trailer and movie than that. <laughs> Are you sure Suicide Squad doesn't fall there? So it's close, but I still okay. uh, War Dogs is bullshit. Okay. Here's the next as far as far as expectations go, I would add the Rise of Skywalker to that list. <laughs> we're gonna get so much hate mail. No, we're not. <laughs> Here's the next one. Contract to kill. Mm. End of a gun. Code of honor. The Onion Movie, The Foreigner, The Glimmer Man, Ben, Hat Ben, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal is the correct answer. When you said The Foreigner, I was like, the one with Pierce Brosnan? I know, there's, a, there's another Chan? Foreigner, yeah. yeah. I was like, is it Pierce Brosnan? <laughs> but I figured the uh, the Glimmer Man with Keenan Ivor Wayans would yeah. uh, give a good hint. <laughs> <laughs> Half past dead, exit wounds, fire down below, executive decision. Mm. The rest of that list. Here's the next one. Airstrike. <laughs> Just the way you said it. I said it so serious. It's, I'm not going to lie. It was a surprising direction for the Airbud franchise. But it paid off. I said that so seriously. Yeah, you got accepted into the Naval Academy. Ain't, ain't, no, ain't no rules. It's a dog can't fly a jet. <laughs> what is his code name when he's flying up there? Bark. Bark. <laughs> Roll a barrel rollover. <laughs> 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 Crunch Jacob. <laughs> He's right on my tail. <laughs> Bark, go fetch. <laughs> Get those migs. <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> Here's the next. Okay. Precious Cargo, Billy Bathgate, Rugrats Go Wild, mm. Perfect Stranger, Striking Distance. Ben. Ben? Bruce Willis. It is Bruce Willis. You got it. Striking Distance is a weird freaking movie. Yeah, that and Color of Night, his weird, like, sex thrillers from the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. Well, you know, when you said Perfect Stranger, I was like, oh, hopefully it's uh, Perfect Stranger, so I can say Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> Bronson Pinchot, yeah. He was a Navy <laughs> SEAL in uh, Bradley Hills Cop. That was his former well, job. Exactly, exactly right. He's <laughs> Before he started working at the art gallery. <laughs> He's so good at his undercover job. Uh, Nobody's Fool Hostage, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. That was going to be a fun one to say. And Ocean's 12. <laughs> uh, Tears of the Sun is his Navy SEAL movie. Yes, that's Although, right. One of his crappy direct-to-video movies probably has him as a SEAL as well. And he's a G.I. Joe, of course. I don't know what branch of the military they fall under. But... <laughs> <laughs> a Joe. <laughs> Here's the next one. Deep in the Valley. Strangers with Candy. Bride Wars. Jennifer's Body. Wanted. 
the five-year engagement. Delivery man. Moneyball? Passengers? Oh, Brad. Brad? Chris Pratt. Chris oh, Pratt. That oh. Went, that went a while. <laughs> That's right. He wasn't wanted. He's the... Yeah, okay. You, you just watched Moneyball. I figured you'd be on I know, <laughs> yeah, but like I was like, who's in like who's in wanted? And then he's got that, that small role as like the he's, office guy. He's like yeah. the boyfriend who takes James McAvoy's girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He gets smacked in the face of a keyboard. That's his Yeah, with like a nice with a nice tooth. Yeah. And then the keys spell fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, because that movie's extreme. Exactly. Yeah. You can, I don't know if you, you can saw it or not, but they can bend bullets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's, they curve bullets, Ben. Oh, Let's get it right. Oh, <laughs> oh you're right. I was thinking of bend it like Beckham. Yeah. yeah. Where they bend bullets. Also <laughs> star. <laughs> also starring James McAvoy. <laughs> He's Beckham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird role. He's right there. He's very me- method, though. Here's the next one. Two more. Mm-hmm. Major League Two, Stuck on You, The Ringer, Batman and Robin, Demolition Man, mm. Ricochet, Abe, Abe, Corbin Benson. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> like Major League Two. <laughs> no Holds Barred, The Running Man, Predator. Damn, I know. I've, I've run out of movies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, could you just start them over and say them quick and I'll... Major I'll... League Two, Stuck on You, The Ringer, Batman and Robin, Demolition Man, Ricochet, No Holds Barred, The Running Man, Predator. Who the hell was in... Oh, uh, Ben. Yeah? Jesse the Body Ventura. Jesse the Body Ventura is the correct answer. I got to... Who, who is Jesse the Body Ventura in Batman and Robin? Like one of the goons or something. Like Really? <laughs> yeah. That's why it threw me off. I was like, man... Yeah. Yeah, Demolition Man, and yeah, uh, I yeah, mean, I'm Running Man, obviously, and Predator, but if, wow. If, if Batman Forever could have Drew Barrymore as, like, the ninth lead, you could have Jesse Ventura show up at Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. Last one. Yes. Trespass. Dangerous Ground. Higher Learning. The Book of Life. Lottery Ticket. Abe. Abe? Channing Tatum. Incorrect. Oh, the Janky Promoters, All About the Benjamins, Torque. Ben. Bo- yep. Ice Cube? It is Ice Cube. <laughs> Triple X, State of the Union, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. Are we there yet, too? Are we Are we done yet, Abe? Are we done yet? Sorry. <laughs> Get it right. Sorry, price. Mark. I let you down. <laughs> let me count these up. I think this was a close match here. One, two. Mm-hmm. I only got one. Edge of my seat here. Could be Anthony Hopkins. Could be uh, Chadwick Boseman. No, wait, hold on. i got to count this again. Make sure. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> nope, it's Ben. Ben, you won this game. Very oh, close. Close back. Brad, you were close, Boom. but Ben, you nailed it. Good job. Airstrike, Bruce Willis. You nailed it. <laughs> okay, well, that was fun. I, that was I, I'm, yeah, that was, I'm glad was those good. are tough games. <laughs> I was worried they'd, be, they'd come across a little too easy. <laughs> no, yeah that was not that was very well crafted sir good yeah <laughs> all right well, well done that was game let's move on now let's get to some out now feedback 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 this is we're going over the various questions and answers on our facebook page facebook.com slash now podcast we asked a number of questions to listeners and they gave us some answers and yeah we're going to go through this ben brad feel free to uh jump in with some answers as well to these questions 
question. First question is, who is your favorite cinematic military-based one-man army? Chris has John Matrix and John Rambo. Paul has got to be Topper Harley. Hot shots. Uh, I mentioned Commando earlier. I mean, the guy kills like 47 people by himself. That's probably low. Probably kills more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I was only counting the compound. I forgot about his buddy uh, who he drops off the ledge. Cinematic, military-based, one-man army. Here's some other ones. Cinematic, military-based, one-man armies. So, I'm thinking of people that just like I mean, mow down a ton of people. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but I, they're all they're all in one tank. But I guess you could say uh, Fury. I mean, yeah, it's one stopping force. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I mean, I'm I'm getting hung up on the military stuff because like one man against blah 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 is its own genre. Obviously, we'll go for that. Name name a couple of those. Well, I just I think that the the one man against uh, everybody, the, the original Die Hard, right? It's just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. He's got a machine gun now. Ho ho ho! <laughs> Brad, what do you got? Nothing really. I'm just drawing a blank. <laughs> Good for you. How no, he's people... literally drawing nothing on paper. How many people does Forrest Gump murk again? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Not enough to remember. All right. Let's go to the next one. Oh, uh, oh you should yeah. have mentioned uh, Frederick Zoller. Yeah, Frederick Zoller. He's got a movie within a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read up that he killed like 200 people over three days. I'm like, that's a lot. From one sniper tower. <laughs> yeah. No tank support. All right. <laughs> Next one we have here. What movies have memorable interrogation scenes? Chris writes Reservoir Dogs and the Gingerbread Man scene in Shrek. <laughs> Irene has Basic Instinct. And Farron has Going 80s Rambo or Lethal Weapon. Mm. When Mel Gibson gets a sponge bath. The Mel Gibson one is very, it's a very good interrogation scene. I do like what he's like. We're going to be here a long night, guys. And then they keep electrocuting him. The guy, um, the guy Al James from a uh, from from a uh, from Die Hard. He uh, I like the opening scene of Mission Impossible Three with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, Is that just because you want to do the impression, Brad? No, I don't want to. Go, I don't want to do, do, do that right now. <laughs> I like when Tom Cruise's strategy goes, uh, no, no, no. Like that worked out for you. <laughs> Uh, what's the oh, yeah. what's the most recent James Bond where he gets uh with Mads, it's Casino Royale where Mads Mikkelsen destroys his testicles? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, it, apparently he knew that that was coming because he was trained for it. Yeah, um, and that's why we don't have James Bond Junior. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't because of Vesper. It was because of that. Uh, and also because he's shockingly against adoption. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a really firm stance he has in his file. Uh, gonna add in the uh, the interrogation scene in uh, Taken where he just like leaves the guy. <laughs> oh, when he like when he like the power he, like, turned on, he just like clips the light switch and leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's just like I believe you, but I also fuck you. <laughs> uh, the Dark Knight has a pretty good interrogation scene in there. Where are they? The police. Oh, oh the police Joker. precinct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know uh, what? Yeah. Honor, honorable mention, uh, the 2004's uh, Thomas Jane, The Punisher. You oh, yeah. Was, Pops where he hangs him upside down and uses yeah. the, uh, ice, or the ice pop or whatever. Like he shows him the blowtorch and then he uses a popsicle because he thinks, yeah. <laughs> like he describes the blowtorch like it'll feel like cold because of how hot it is. And then he yep. just uses a popsicle on him. <laughs> and then he, he's, he's frying a steak next to him so he smells of burning flesh. <laughs> That's a movie that likes to have fun. 
that's my that's a guilty uh guilty pleasure movie for me all day long i love that movie it has so many weird beats as far as this is an r-rated punisher movie but he's also like setting up an elaborate scam involving a fire hydrant and like proving will Patton's gay like it's it's a weird like like (laughs) flex on like i'm gonna get back at john travolta using these methods (laughs) it's uh, it's adult home alone let me, um, plant, let me plant 36 yeah. bombs under cars to make the the Punisher symbol in flames where only a helicopter from above can see it. You got to love that level of dedication. <laughs> yeah. He's like, got him. Uh, the next one is, uh, what are some great origin stories and film bonus points for non-superhero movies? Todd Libana has Casino Royale, so James Bond. And Chris has, oh, has to be Ghostbusters. Any great origin stories? I mean, I don't know if it's an origin story, but you're you're put into like the John Wick universe. Pretty great. I mean, the first uh, the first Jack Reacher was very very well done as as kind of the you know the start of I guess yeah origin story is hard because it's like well it's just the first movie for a lot of these and the, it's the introduction to the character but it's not necessarily is that an origin like is Raiders an origin story? I mean well technically Temple of Doom's before that and even that's not oh. an origin story. <laughs> so, well I guess the opening of Last Crusade is the origin story for, there, for Indiana Jones. Yeah, that, it's a it's a tough thing to to pull to suss out a little bit. Right. You chose the hardest film series. Yeah. <laughs> well, it had an answer. Oh, right. <laughs> you just had to get there. You know? uh, Zorro, you know, Mask of Zorro. Sure. Well, didn't we mention earlier uh, the Hitler movie Max? Yeah, Max, of course. <laughs> what? what? What did I miss before I jumped on? <laughs> so, yeah, we were talking about the prequel to the man stories. Like we're because we're talking about Hannibal Rising next month, and so yeah, there's the prequel. It's the prequel to Hitler being a being being Hitler called Max. <laughs> All right, next one. What's your favorite Tom Clancy film, and what Tom Clancy story do you want to see on screen? I mean, Brad mentioned earlier Hunt for Rock Trevor and Clear Prince in Danger. I don't know what I mean. I don't know what else he's got here, like in terms of coming to to the big screen. I know the um the division is a very popular game. And I, I think that's being adapted. I believe that's coming to screen at some point. But um, you know, I if it's good, if, you know, if it's if it's a step up from what we've been seeing of late, like sure, I'm, I'm into that. I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean that uh-huh. that Splinter Cell movie's been in the works for a while too, with um, Tom Hardy uh, supposed to be oh. in it. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as my favorite, like I I used to say Clear and Present Danger, but I've watched Hunt for Red October more at this point, and I really like Hunt for Red. I mean, I like both of those a lot, but Hunt for Red, mm-hmm. it's very watchable. Hunt for Red October. So. Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, what are some best film? What are the best films about a robot uprising? Chris has The World's End, Terminator, and Ex Machina. Any other movies about uh, a robot uprising? Two thousand one: Space Odyssey. Sure. I mean, I we mean, talked about robots earlier. That's not really an uprising. It's just more of like a robot world because they've killed all the humans, probably. If he won. The, the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They won. <laughs> yeah, we're Duracell <laughs> batteries. Would uh, something like would like Pacific Rim count? No, not really. That's that's they they were robot made to battle kaiju. So not really. Yeah. If we're talking about movies that just have robots rising. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Power Rangers, 1996. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Zord. All right. Uh, next question we have here: What are your favorite animated pets? Gotta be Doug from uh, from uh, up. There's a uh, Steve the monkey and Claudio the chance of meatballs. Steve, <laughs> voiced by uh, uh, Doogie Doogie Hauser Doogie himself. Hauser, yeah. 
I was gonna think of his initials, like from uh, uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Is that still even a thing for him? Like, do people still call MPH Doogie? Like, is that no? Like, do he, people understand? Do people understand that he played like Kid Doctor like thirty years ago? Yeah. Well, he's got he's got Harold and Kumar to thank for that. And now they're remaking Doogie Howser, right? So are they? Yeah, I they're redoing so. a new series with a with a with a young, young girl. girl. Yeah, makes sense. It's not a pet, but the the really dumb seal in Finding Dory. Oh yeah. Oh Gerald. Gerald. Oh my God, I think I could laugh every time I see that. No matter how many times I've seen it, it still makes me laugh. I love. Is Gerald. he a pet? But is Rango in this category? Does he, he, he starts was... out. He starts out as a pet. Yeah, and then he becomes a hero. Yes. The natural <laughs> progression. Yeah. Well, Airstrike, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's just his name now. Oh, so. that's an animated movie. <laughs> No, it's Bruce Willis like in a World War II bullshit movie or something. Oh, 17 again, yeah. Or, I'm sorry, The Kid. Um, oh, we got a late addition to our interrogation question, by the way. Blade uh-huh. Runner. Uh, it's from Roger. He writes for Blade Runner. Uh, yes, a lot of darkness there. Um, okay. Uh, the last question is, uh, who are some great animated dads? Jeff has Bob Parr, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, Jefferson Davis in the Spider-Verse, uh, and Rick Mitchell. Um, the Rick Mitchell special. Anybody, anybody else with some great animated dads? Mr. Fox. Um, Pickup's Pick dad. I forget his name. Oh, G- Gerard Butler. Yeah, J- Jerry Butler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jerry Butler. Uh, Mr. Hiccup. Obviously. Mi- yeah. Hogarth, I want to say, but it's probably it's not. Not right. Hogarth. That's Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look it up as you guys are thinking. I guess Gru ends up being a pretty good animated dad. Gru. Oh, that's from, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From, from Despicable uh, Me. Mufasa, of course. Mufasa. There we oh, go. I gotta forget Mufasa. Stoic. That's, yes, um, thank yeah. you. Because he's stoic. Yes. Yeah, oh, exactly. great. Yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, what's the dad's name in Finding Nemo? Marlon? Marlon. Yes. Yeah, of course. Love Marlon. He's yeah. a good dad. He's a great dad. Goofy. Don't touch that butt. Goofy, of course, yes. Oh, yeah. He's a oh, perfect cast. Yeah. He's yeah. a lot of great dads. Yeah. All right. I think we covered this one. That's out now. Feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to do it for this week's episode. So uh, you can find more of my work over the blog at CodaZeke.com. Everything I do is over there. I'm also on YSWBlue.com for Blu-ray reviews and We Live Entertainment for all my film reviews, as well as all my reviews for Invincible. I wrote about the entire series, first season of Invincible, which was pretty great. And um, I actually I have a recently released Variety article, too, covering the uh, the fights from Mortal Kombat. And I'm on Twitter yeah. at Aaron's PS4. Abe? I'm more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua. And twitter.com slash Wallace Moose. Hashtag, do you remember how a moose says I love you? Hashtag, <laughs> If you guys don't do it too, I'm going to feel so left out. <laughs> you ben, guys don't have to do it. Ben Conowitz, where can people find more of you online? Hey, I've got a Twitter account at Ken Bonowitz. Uh, that's a lot of fun. And uh, I write about uh, movies and TV for Slash. No, I don't. That's actually Brad. So I'm you... <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I uh, I run Laporte team with Gutter. Uh, <laughs> um, we're not great. Like you can easily oh, get Gutter somewhere. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I write at slashfilm.com about movies and TV. Uh, you can also catch me on the Slash Film Daily podcast a couple times a week. Um, I am also on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. Uh, ben and I do have a podcast called Go Flicks Yourself. Um, 
it, we will be coming back uh, with a vengeance once we get things uh, sorted out on the technical side of things. And I'll let Ben say where the radio show is happening if people decide they want to tune in and ruin their morning. Yeah, if you want to ruin your morning, you can uh, tune in. To, you can go to Facebook and search for WIMS, and that's going to be uh, on Wednesday mornings, uh, every other Wednesday, first and third Wednesday of the month on WIMS at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Starting on May 5th. Starting May 5th, a couple days from now, first premiere episode, what should we talk about? Who knows? Finally, something important to happen on May 5th. We're going to talk about (laughs) A-Strike. You can find all the other episodes about Now with Aaron on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud Automatic and HWLED. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnowpodcast. And of course, our Instagram, Instagram.com slash outnowpodcast as well. Ben, Brad, thank you both for joining ben, us Ben, Brad, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for well, having us. Thanks also, for having... thanks for introducing me to the burger chain in the Midwest. Yes. Yeah, come out and visit and we'll take you there. Okay, Redamax. If you're in southwest Michigan, northwest Indiana, go to Redamax. <laughs> <laughs> Not a sponsor. That was a lot of fun. Good times that were had, of course. But until next time, so long. And goodbye. Looking back around like I need your permission. No, it's always hard when you know what you're missing. Walk a little further to the unfamiliar. Ripping out the pages, it won't kill you. On my way, on my way, on my way to somewhere. On my way, on my way to somewhere. Just a lot of a lot of black ops shooting, and then uh, all of a sudden the barbecue scene with Michael B. Jordan and Lauren London. Hey man, congratulations on your first kid. Thanks. It's good to be done with the army. And then echo sounds at night. Michael B. Jordan with his headphones on. A lot of gunshots. No, I need a name. And then a uh, car on fire, and uh, jump into like some pop song. With uh, Tom Clancy's uh, Without Remorse showing up on the screen. Crushed it. Crushed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right.